On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. I would say uh, more like shocked. Very surprising that the number dipped that low. The numbers tell the story. Optimism in our economy is at an all-time low and fears of a recession grow. The nation's small businesses got help from the federal government, but it wasn't enough. And as many businesses were closing their doors due to the coronavirus, one new business was opening its doors. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of April 2020. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein. The numbers are stark. The monthly survey of bankers in Iowa and nine other Plains and Western states known as the Mid-American Business Conditions Index was released this past week. Creighton University economist Dr. Ernie Goss oversees the survey, which rates topics on a 100-point scale. Anything above 50 is growth positive. Anything below 50 is growth negative. Last month, the number tumbled to 35.5, which was bad enough. The current number is only 12.1. That's the biggest one-month drop and the lowest overall number in the history of the survey, which dates back to January of 2006. I spoke with Dr. Ernie Goss earlier this week about these numbers and his forecast for a possible recovery. I would say uh, more like shocked. It was uh, very surprising that the number dipped that low. When we did our manufacturing survey, got our manufacturing survey for the for the month of March. Now that was March. It was uh, it was negative, but not this negative. It was not a good report. Turning to, for example, the employment gauge, it was nine point four. Now this is again a reading of zero to one hundred. Anything below fifty is growth negative. So this was really in the negative territory for the month. Uh, for the for the month of April, so the bank CEOs in the rural areas of of the, of the states that we survey, and again it includes Iowa, the states mostly in the Midwest, really talk, really not seeing any any glimmers of hope. The the um, outlook, the uh, what we call the confidence index, was always also very negative. It wasn't a record low, but we're comparing these numbers. Of course, this is back. You compare this to back in the recession of 2008 and 2009. These numbers are well, well below those readings. Of course, we're talking about in the rural areas, agriculture and energy. Those two sectors are obviously not doing well with cattle prices down, pork prices down, grain prices down, oil prices down. It's hard to see. Where, where we're going to get the growth. And, uh, and obviously anything tied to the consumer is not doing well. We're talking about gasoline prices, obviously well below $2 a gallon in many areas. And what that does to the ethanol industry, obviously ethanol is very important to Iowa, uh, number one state in, uh, in ethanol production, uh, Nebraska and, and uh, Minnesota as well. All three states are in our survey. In all three states, uh, ethanol is just taking a real hit right now. This is the time of year that farmers try to get into the fields. They need to get the crop in. There may be some flooding, but certainly not like last year. We had the trade agreements in place. There was some optimism. But, of course, that's all gone now. 
is it going to be difficult for some of these producers to get the working capital they need to get in the field this year, based on what the bankers told you? The bankers did report that borrowing was up, applications were up, and and that is a problem. The bank, the uh, agriculture was has already experienced some really not good uh, metrics. Uh, income, farm income, had just not been where we wanted it to be. We saw the federal government come in with. Uh, uh, about 28 to 30 billion dollars over the last two years that uh, didn't fill the entire gap at all and then we had the USMCA the trade agreement with Canada and Mexico which was signed and that was in January and we were all looking toward better times for agriculture we also saw phase one agreement with China being ratified that was good and then this hits and this being of course uh, COVID-19 and this is, uh, I would say, um, Adam Smith wrote uh, what we think of as a foundation for the cap- modern capitalist system. And that was in 1776. This is probably the biggest hit that the biggest hit the U.S. economy has taken since that time. Now that cuts across the Spanish uh, flu in 1918. That cuts across the depression of the 1930s, and obviously the re- the re- recessions in between those. I have had some financial analysts say to me they expect, quote-unquote, the economy. That's a very broad term, but they expect it to recover quickly simply because everything that led to this was not a financial shutdown or a financial downturn. It was a health emergency. So once the health emergency passes, there's no reason for the economy to not come back. Is that too simplistic a view? I think it is a bit simplistic in the sense that the consumer drives the economy, and that's where the problem began and still remains. For example, retail trade, housing, housing numbers, not good at all. Retail trade, not good at all. Hospitality industry taking a huge hit. Uh, And and now the Fed has flooded the uh, economy with billions of dollars, billion. In fact, with the CARES Act of over $2 trillion. And of course, the Federal Reserve is flooding the market with liquidity. Even so, I still don't see a rapid recovery because you've got to have optimism from the consumer. And the consumer is going to be thinking, well, are we going to get a return to this? Is it going to be another uh, coronavirus in the fall? What happens if we do get a recovery, a full recovery from this? I just think that consumers are going to be on guard and really, even with the checks that are going out right now, $1,200 per family and uh, other payments to the children, it's just not going to be enough to get a what we would think of as a V-shaped recovery. It's going to be a much more modest recovery in my judgment. It will not be as long of a recession this time as the 2008-2009 recession, which was 18 months. I expect this recession to be six months in length, could be a bit longer, but the up, upturn is going to be a, a, not as fast as we might anticipate. Have you agreed with some of the moves that have been made by government? And again, you're speaking in your role as an economist, but with the $2.2 trillion infusion in the CARES Act, then, as you said, the Fed flooding the zone with money. Are those things that, as an economist, do you feel are necessary or should other steps have been taken or be taken 
to make sure that it's a long-lasting and valid recovery as opposed to something that's falsely propped up? I think these were necessary steps, Jeff. The problem I see is going to be when the recovery begins. The last time we the, the Fed did this back in 2008 and 2009, not as large as this reaction and not as large as a stimulus. The problem was once we got back to recovery, the Fed held on to the bonds. In other words, they didn't get rid of the bonds. So their balance sheet, as we call it, is going to get very large. In other words, the federal government is running huge deficits and the Fed is monetizing the debt to a large degree, meaning they, they're facilitating it by putting money into the economy. Once the uh, consumer, if the consumer did, once the consumer does begin buying again, businesses begin investing again, we're going to see higher interest rates, higher inflation, higher taxes, or a mix of that. So that there, there's no, I don't see any other outcome. So the Fed is going, if the Fed, if they do what they did last time, which is not, not sell their bonds down, then you're going to see some problems. So I think that we need a gradual selling down of the bonds once we get back into recovery. That's the real problem, and that's going to be the issue. Dr. Ernie Goss is a Creighton University economist who oversees two monthly reports of interest, the Rural Main Street Survey and the Mid-American Business Conditions Index. Our full conversation is available as an IBR Extra podcast. Find it at iTunes, Google, or Apple Podcasts, or by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. Still to come, a federal program quickly runs out of money and starting a new business in the age of COVID-19. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. As part of the CARES Act, the federal government established a $350 billion fund to help small businesses across the country, loans that could be forgiven in order to make sure workers continue to be paid. The fund was expected to last for some period of months, but it was exhausted in barely a week. The Iowa Bankers Association reports that Iowa banks helped approve nearly $3.75 billion in loans through the U.S. Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program. That's tied to preserving some 325,000 small business jobs in our state alone. We'll hear more from Iowa Bankers Association President and CEO John Sorensen next week on this program. U.S. Senator Joni Ernst held a teleconference with Iowa Media this past Thursday and shared some frustration about the failure of attempts to restock that PPP fund. Iowa's small businesses are facing serious and unforeseen challenges, of course, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And as a member of the Senate Small Business Committee, supporting our hardworking local businesses remains one of my top priorities. Fortunately, for, for many of them, assistance from the federal government is starting to flow. A key part of that new law involves direct support for our small businesses, specifically through what you hear as the PPP or the Paycheck Protection Program. 
And the idea is for small businesses to get loans immediately to cover their expenses, including payroll for their employees, so workers will continue to collect their paychecks. And if these small businesses keep their employees on the payroll or rehire the workers they already let go, then these loans are forgiven. Small businesses across the country have taken advantage of this critical program, and as a result, the funding for the PPP completely ran out. It could have been avoided. Just last week, my colleagues and I pushed for a simple measure that would have bolstered the program. No political gimmicks, just a simple ask to put more money in this program. Unfortunately, um, politics got in the way and our friends on the other side of the aisle blocked it. We need to replenish this fund and do it fast. There are now bipartisan calls of support for bolstering this critical program. Iowa small businesses are depending on this support. Congress needs to act immediately so money can keep flowing. Iowa workers can continue to collect a paycheck and our state's small businesses can stay afloat. So again, this isn't the time for politics. We need to get the PPP replenished ASAP. Up next, starting your new business when so many others are struggling with theirs. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa, Business Horizons, and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org. As we've noted on this program previously, it's not easy to take the leap and start your own small business. You might think that is even harder when that new business opens in the midst of a global pandemic. But for former television journalist Josh Scheinblum of Cedar Rapids, his new communications company, Five Seasons Media, has gotten off to a very positive start. I don't think there's ever a good time to start a business. And the whole reason that I even decided to start being an entrepreneur was I saw there was a need. I saw the existence of social media marketing and public relations companies that were already in our area. I was frankly shocked at just how much it costs to retain their services and the services that they provide. And I don't mean any disrespect, but they are very narrow focused. And it seems that one thing that's really lacking is engaging content online, especially from someone who was a storyteller. I think that if you're already going into it with the mindset that there is no good time, that you're already trying to find an opportunity where, frankly, most people can't see it anyways. So launch that business. Take your step and do your dream. But for a company like mine who helps other companies tell their story, you are in a very unique position. People are glued to their smartphones. And companies who were able to kind of go with a traditional business model that did not rely heavily on social media, well, frankly, those days are over. We've been doing okay. And I think that that's because we saw an opportunity when there is no good time to start a business. And when it's flagrantly obvious for most that this is not a time that you'd want to start one, um, because we can find those opportunities amidst the challenges that we're all facing, 
I think that if we can succeed now, we've got a very bright future ahead of us when the economy starts turning around. And if we can do, frankly, this well, where we have no debt and we're cash positive and things are moving in the right direction, and, we, and I have meetings with clients daily or prospective clients, that's a very good position to be in and, frankly, better than most, I believe, during this time. There is, in my mind, a misconception about social media in this way. Anyone can have a Twitter account, a Facebook account, Snapchat, the myriad of options. And because we all can have the account, we think it's very easy to do. But for a company to do it right takes an investment of time, resources, and thought. And if a company is focused on developing a product or promoting a service, that's their specialty. Their specialty is not communication. I think if, if your goal is to simply create a social media account and then to put content on that account and not care that what it is that you're putting out there, not caring what story it is that you're trying to tell, um, I would say that there is not a company in America that's not capable of doing that. Now, if you want to be able to reach people you that you need a professional storyteller for you need somebody who's experienced on social media who can identify the target groups that you're trying to go after one of the biggest mistakes that i see with prospective clients when they reach out to me is you know they've been doing social media for a long time they think because they've been doing it for a long time they should have a track record of success and when they're not seeing the results that they're looking for engagement they tend to wonder, like, what is it that Josh knows that we don't know? And the fact of the matter is, you do your job very well. If you build a product, if you build a car, if you are a farmer, you know your industry very, very well inside and out. And that's fine for the product that you are trying to build. However, this is an entirely different beast. Because even, and this is where things get really complicated, but even if you try selling to people what it is that your product is, Facebook, although unless you work there, no one really knows how it works. But if, if, if you're there, they, it would be, the analytics would seem to indicate that if they think you are trying to sell something, they suppress the material that you put online. So the challenge is you need to tell a story, a story that people want to engage with, a story that people will share to their friends. And in that story, you want to be able to get to your consumers the message that is so important to you that you want them to hear. And during these tough times, if it's simply that you're open, able, and ready to do business, that's an important message. But you need someone who's able to do that in order to get that mission done. What has surprised you the most? In this short period of time, you've been open for business about a month. What has surprised you the most about this new venture, Five Seasons Media? When I started my company, I thought that it would be great to have a handful of clients to start off with. And then, you know, the plan was to kind of keep growth under control. I think one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of new entrepreneurs make is they make promises that they can't keep and they grow too fast. And while that temptation is certainly there, I have been pleasantly surprised with just how many people have reached out. When we started the company, I kind of had an idea of some certain sectors uh, in, in various industries that I knew had great stories to tell. I wanted to start off you know, doing some very local stuff, telling the, the, the local wonderful stories that diff various businesses have. 
And it's really been surprising just how great the need has been. As we were discussing, I, I simply cannot, there's always somebody reaching out saying, you know, can we help? When I, before I launched my business and made the decision to go out into the private sector, so to speak, I thought that I was really going to have to work on my sales skills and try, frankly, or flex a muscle that as a TV journalist, you know, it was a very different type of commodity that I was trying to sell people. It was their reputation. The, often the stories that I did were on very difficult and painful stories to discuss. And to get people to go on, you have to convince them to put their face on something that they might otherwise not want to put their face on. And what I'm trying to get now is, frankly, we're trying to do business together and we're trying to develop a long-term relationship. Uh, this is often very different, I think, than what most local journalists are doing. But frankly, what the, the biggest surprise that I found is it's very much a very similar line of work. And for that matter, I think it's been pleasantly surprising. And I, I, I think that as my company expands and grows, there's a, a hidden talent pool of journalists all over this country who are not only great storytellers, but if they can also convince important people to sell their reputations to help tell a story, well, that's the most important commodity of all. And I think that they have a wonderful business future ahead of them. And um, while those might be the diamonds in the rough, I want them very much. <laughs> Josh Scheinblum is the Chief Creative Officer at Five Seasons Media, based in Cedar Rapids. Online at fiveseasonsmedia.com. That's the number five, seasonsmedia.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. Next week, we'll talk with the head of the Iowa Bankers Association about relief for small businesses and more. And you'll hear about a company that is far busier these days than ever. That's next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at iowaabi.org.